reach over and touch your neighbor and say, excuse me, but I think you might be a model. That's right. Just trying to help, just trying to help the single people. Just trying to help the single people. You, you look like a model. How to be a model as we enter this uh, passage here. Maybe you've, you've heard uh, some of the, uh, I, I just heard a few jokes this, this week about uh, models. And, um, and uh, for those who are on social media, somebody said, how many Instagram models? You know, people are now going to be a model on Instagram or Facebook now, just you know, taking their own pictures and, and getting their own lighting right and using all the apps to, to transform ourselves into someone we're really not. Uh, but they said, how many Instagram models does it take to put in a light bulb? It's just one. They hold up the light bulb and the world revolves around them. <laughs> the world revolves around them, and we think that we're so uh, great. Uh, for those who are continuing to, to know about social media, they said, how many, uh, what, what is the equivalent of being a model or being famous on Instagram uh, or Facebook? Someone said, what's the equivalent of that? Another person chimed in and said, well, the equivalent of that would be uh, being a millionaire at Monopoly. And uh, so it really doesn't mount to a hill of beans because uh, how many of you have been a millionaire when you're playing Monopoly before, right? Didn't change anything. And um, another person said, why did the model snort NutraSweet? Right? NutraSweet, you know, the, the sweetener. She was snorting it because um, she thought it was Diet Coke. Jeez. Parker, I don't know if any of these are helpful to you or if I'm bombing. If I'm, uh, I'm just here to make you feel better for that. <laughs> Keep my day job. And then I heard two uh, two old country rednecks. They were checking out the old Sears catalog. And they said their name was Earl and Bubba. And old Earl said, hey, Bubba, you seen them beautiful models in the catalog? And Bubba replied, say, yep, they are very beautiful. And look at that price. And then Earl said with eyes wide open, wow, they aren't even very expensive. At this price, I'm going to buy one too. So then Bubba smiles and pats him on the back and he says, good idea. If she's as beautiful as she is in the catalog, we both ought to get one. Then a few weeks later, they're talking. Bubba asks his friend Earl, he goes, did you ever receive that model you ordered in the Sears catalog? And Earl replies, he goes, nope, but it shouldn't be long now. Her clothes arrived yesterday. <laughs> I know for all the kids who never ordered anything from a catalog, y'all have to explain that after church. But I'm not talking about that kind of model necessarily. I'm talking about a role model. I'm talking about a, a picture of someone you look up to and how powerful that picture is. I don't know if you guys ever try to put together any kind of um, furniture or children's toys. And some of you may do way better at this. In fact, most of you probably do way better than I do. Okay. But it's a task trying to put together these things. And I remember when Lydia, who's now 15, I think, or maybe we, we got a little kitchen set, right? It wasn't even complicated. Just a little kids, you know, kitchen, little sink. Oh, it's probably got like five parts to it. And I remember staying up 
late one Christmas, you know, trying to, and I'm staying up to like 3 a.m. trying to put this thing together. Some of y'all been there before, trying to put together things at the last hour before Christmas, and um, man, it drove me nuts. I'm looking through the, I'm looking through the instructions like this just doesn't look right. And you know what I do most of the time? I don't get the instructions right. I just want to look at the box, right? Because it seems like the box is showing me a picture of okay. This is a little bit easier to follow because the instructions, I'm not so sure what this piece is and how that is, and I can get lost in the instructions. I don't know if you ever put together maybe some Legos, um, but uh, I think we got a picture of some Legos there. We got some uh, Legos there. There we go, right? Some The Millennium Falcon had one of those when I was a little kid. And, and, um, and when I'm trying to help my kids put together some Legos, I'm very rarely looking at the instructions. I'm more looking at the side of the box, right? Because it gives me a picture of what this thing's supposed to look like. Because I'm, I'm just looking at one little piece, and I'm like, I can't see how this all comes together. Maybe you should, you say, just trust the instructions. And maybe you're right, but I just need a picture, right? And how do you know a picture is, is worth a whole lot more, right? And um, man, it really helps to have something to look at. It can be so powerful to, to have that picture in your, in your mind. So, you know, okay, I know this thing can go there, and I, and I get an idea. Well, Paul is writing to these people in Thessalonica, right? And it's a brand new church. They're baby church, brand new Christians. And they don't have the Bible. They don't have the Bible like we have the Bible. And, and, and he's teaching them how to live. And they're saying, hey, we need a model, right? These believers had a model because Paul lived with them and uh, at least for a couple months. And, and he became a model. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they lived among the people. And, and so they were able to see, hey, this is how a Christian acts. This is how a Christian speaks. This is how a Christian, you know, spends time with God. This is what it's supposed to look like. And how many of you know we need some models in our lives, amen? And how many of us are grateful for the models we have? People that we've been able to look up to that showed us. It's one thing to say, hey, go home and read your Bible, right? And some of us are like, where? What? How do I hold it? Like, you know, this is difficult, but it's it's nice to have somebody sit down and, and read it with you. Have an example of somebody who shows you to do it. It's, it's one thing to say, go home and pray, but it's something to pray with somebody, right? And we learn by their modeling. It's one thing to say, you know, learn how to treat your spouse and, and love your spouse. It's another thing to see somebody do that in action. I can remember I had a chemistry professor in college and uh, he was such a powerful model for me. And uh, because, um, uh, first of all, he was brilliant. Um, he, he had his doctorate. He could have easily taught at any number of, of schools in North Carolina. He could easily taught at Duke or Wake Forest or, or Chapel Hill. Uh, but he taught at this small Christian school, not making a whole lot of money, because he loved God and he loved chemistry. And he was just a whiz, man, going through chemistry. But I remember what I learned most from him was not just chemistry, although I learned a lot about chemistry and about God and, and how all that works together in some beautiful ways. But I learned how to love my wife. Well, how's that? Because I heard him talk about his wife. I heard him express to us and ask us to pray for his wife as she developed a brain tumor. And, um, and as her brain tumor was growing, it was taking away her hearing. So I watched him sit at a table every day at lunch and learn how to speak sign language with the deaf people at our college. And he was learning sign language day in and day out. Why? Because he wanted to be able to communicate and love his wife who would possibly lose her hearing because of the brain tumor. And I remember just seeing that, and that was, that was a model for me. It was a picture of, man, how does a man love and sacrifice for his wife? And I can think of so many other examples of people that have 
influenced me. Have you thought of those people? And I think the beautiful thing that God is speaking to each of us is that, listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. You could be a model for somebody else. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. You could be a model for somebody else. Amen. Doesn't matter where you work or what your grades are. You could be a model for somebody else. Doesn't matter how good your education is. I heard a, a man, me and uh, Greg were visiting uh, somebody in the hospital this past week, and we heard a man testify to, to his grandfather and how he was an inspiration to model for him because he had a third grade education, but he loved God and would read the scripture and he, he would explain the scripture to his family and they'd gather around grandpa. And uh, man, what a model that this man testified to. You could be that model for somebody else. How might you inspire somebody? You never know how you might change the trajectory of somebody else's life. I, w- I know I wouldn't be the person I am today, right, if it weren't for those models that I had to look at. And you think about the Billy Grahams and all the people that we, we, we think are the superstar Christians, right? How did they get to be where they are? Well, they had a model. They had a Sunday school teacher. They had an aunt, an uncle, a parent, a grandparent, a sister, a brother. I read a few stories of people who were giving thanks and writing letters to some of the models in their life. One person wrote this. They said, I I can't thank you enough and express to you how grateful I am for you coming into my life. You have made such a huge impact on me. And I wouldn't be who I am today without you. And I know that you will continue to keep me, inspiring me to become an even better person. You have taught me that I don't always have to be strong. I've watched you go through hard times and suffer breakdowns, and I've watched you get back up and keep moving forward. And when life had you at your worst moments, you allowed friends and the Lord to come and be there and be your strength. Even in your darkest hour, you showed me how much strength God gave you. And then your passion inspires me to make a difference in this world. You put your heart and your soul into the endeavors that you do, and you surpass any personal goals that you've set. Watching you do what you love and watching you make a difference in the lives of others is an incredible experience, and I thank you that I was able to see it. The way your face lights up when you finally realize that you have accomplished something, I hope that one day I can have just as much passion as you have. I love the way you take care of your family. I think it's outstanding watching you interact with your loved ones and your children. It just makes me smile. You're so comfortable with yourself and who you are. I see the way that you are around your family. And I wish I could see you smile like this every day. Your love, you love them with all of your heart. And this quality is something I desire to possess in myself. I look up to you. I feel that more people should strive to have the strength and the passion and the love that you exemplify in everyday life. Yes, sometimes you are stubborn. (laughs) But when you really... need the help of others, which shows the strength you have in itself, you reach out and are not afraid to ask for that help. And I've never been more proud to know you or to call someone my friend and my role model. You have taught me so many things, and I want to thank you. Thank you for inspiring my life. Thank you. Thank you for making me the person I want to be. Signed. Who would sign that for you? Your granddaughter? Your neighbor? Your classmate? Your teammate? Your coworker, your son, your daughter, your sister, your brother, the person sitting next to you in the pew, who would sign that for you? 
And again, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a great Bible scholar. You don't have to have a great education. How could you be a model? Well, it's simple. You continue to embody and shine the light of Christ that he's put inside of you. And you'll become the most glorious model that someone has ever seen. And you don't even have to learn how to rock a runway and worry about tripping in some heels. So how to be a model? What are, are some ways here? And, and actually, before we, before we get into that, if you'll just kind of look at the text here, I want to just show you some things here because when you examine the text, you see it all over. Okay, you see Paul referring to this phrase. He says, you know, or you've witnessed, you have know, as you know. So he's reminding them, hey, remember how we, the, we were the model for you? So just look at the text real quick. It won't be on the screen, but as you look at your Bible, verses 1 and 2, right? He, he goes on, he says, for you yourselves, no. And then verse 2, he says, but though we have already suffered and been shamefully treated, as you know, then in verse 5, as you skip down, he goes on, for we never came to you with words of flattery, as you know, right? You see the, the he's reminding them, he's saying, man, this, this whole chapter is about modeling Christ in front of others. And then verse 11, he goes, for you what? Know how like a father we did this. And then he uses another statement that's very similar. He says in verse 9, in verse 9, he says, you remember. That's a different way of saying you know, right? And then again in verse 11, he says, for you know how like a father with his children we exhorted you. And uh, verse 10, excuse me, he says, verse 10, he says, you are witnesses. And so we see this theme of being a model. And so what are some things that we can do to be a, a model, how to be a supermodel every day? You don't even have to go on a diet. Number one, here's the most important thing you can do. Write this down. Keep your focus on Christ. Keep your focus on Christ. The more you continue to behold and gaze upon Jesus, the more you are transformed into his image. Pastor and author John Piper likes to say it like this. You become what you behold. Are you with me? You become what you behold. If you're staring at Netflix all day, you're going to become like a mind numbed out person that's, that's wasting their life. But if you behold the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ, you're going to start to reflect the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. You become what you behold. So keep your focus on Christ. Look back with me at verses 1 and 2. Look at what Paul says. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Why was our coming to you not in vain? But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness. Why'd they have boldness? Because they were so cool? Because they were so, uh, they had swagger? Because they were so smart? So what they have boldness in? What they have boldness in? God, our boldness was in God because they know in whom they have believed. They know their own personal experience with God. So we have boldness to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Could you imagine being Paul, right? Going into these cities, knowing you're going to get attacked, knowing you're going to get beaten up. How do you continue to go city after city and get attacked everywhere you go? I know that, man, they might throw me in jail. I know they might kill me. How does Paul do that? Because that's a model, right? That's an incredible model. Most of us are, are, are lacking boldness just to speak the name of Jesus, you know, at the water cooler, you know, like, Jesus. Hey, what'd you, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, nothing. I just hung out, went to church. 
right? You know, and it's like these guys are boldly proclaiming the gospel and they know that they're going to be attacked for it. They know they're going to be persecuted for it. And how does somebody have that kind of boldness? Because they're not focused on the other people, not focused on pleasing others. They're focused on God and they're gazing at his face and they know, man, I'm, I'm just I'm concentrating not on the drama, not on the destruction. I'm concentrating on God. So how can you be a model for somebody else? Be somebody who zeroes in, who focuses in day in and day out on, on Jesus Christ. Get in his word and soak it up, okay? Saturate yourself in it. Marinate in it, right? Spend time with God. Fill your mind with the things of God, with, with music that's going to encourage you, with, with messages that are going to help your brain. Because I don't know about you, but my little brain thinks about all kinds of crazy things. It only takes about 30 seconds for me to be distracted, right? And so I'm not, just because I'm the pastor, don't think I'm, 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 I'm Mr. Spiritual here. I'm doing these same very things because my mind will take me to places that are worthless. My mind will take me to places that are sinful. My mind will take me to places that aren't helping me fulfill the calling and the reason and the destiny that God has for me. So I've got to keep my mind focused. Reach over, touch your, touch your neighbor, tell them, are you focused? Are you focused? If they got a little drool on their face, they weren't focused, right? If you had to wake them up, they weren't focused. Yep, I'm, I'm good. I'm focused. Yep. Amen. Amen, preacher. How could he survive these beatings? How could he be this kind of supermodel? Because he was focused, zeroed in. The only way you and I can do life and navigate all the trials and the hardships is if we're focused on Christ and we're filled with the Spirit. You can't navigate life, right? It's too hard. It's too hard to navigate all the things that are coming at you, all the distress, the health issues and the family issues and the crises that come in our, in our city and our nation. You have got to stay empowered and filled with the Spirit. Amen? Look with me at verses 3 through 4. Notice what he says here, verses 3. I keep trying to go back to chapter 1 because I'm not focused. Keep my eyes here. For our appeal, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. What's going on here? He's, he's talking through that, that after he left, it seems that maybe some of the people, maybe the same people that dragged Jason out to the city and, and were ready to beat him are going around spreading rumors about Paul and, and the disciples and saying, hey, that guy Paul, man, he is not legit. He's a huckster. He's a scammer. He just came here. Uh, we'll, we'll look at a second. He, he just came here to take your money. Don't trust what Paul said. You can't trust him. And Paul's saying, no, no, you know, you remember, you're a witness of how we live. And he says right here, right? Man, in verse 3, he's saying, you know, look at the way. We, we didn't have any impurity. We, we didn't try to get anything from you. We didn't make an appeal to you to deceive you. And then now look at verse 4. He says, but just as we have been approved by who? God. We've been approved by God. I don't need man's approval. I don't need you to accept me. I don't need you to give me a like and a thumbs up. I have approval from God. This is where his focus is, right? Look at the rest of the verse there. Not, not, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. What does he say? Not to please who? Man, but to please God who tests our Hearts. You may want to underline that phrase. That's a verse for us, right? Not to please man, but to please God. Man, this is a struggle, right? A lot of us are people pleasers. 
I'm a people pleaser. And being a people pleaser and a pastor is like a recipe for disaster. I mean, this is like, you just try to make everybody happy. There's a whole lot of y'all. And, uh, and I could drive myself crazy uh, trying to make everybody happy. And, uh, and it happens to a lot of Christians because Christians, we've been changed and we have a desire to serve and help others. And we think sometimes through our serving and help others, we always have to say yes to people. And we always have to do exactly what they want us to do. And that's not always the case. And so he says, man, I, I know what I'm called to do. And, and, if, and, and I know what I'm called to say. And, and if you don't like it, that's okay. They can beat me. They beat me in Philippi. They beat me in other places. But, but I, I'm not here to please men. So if you don't like what I have to say, that's okay. I still love you. But man, being a people pleaser is a big deal, right? Somebody said, one way to know that you're a people pleaser is that you never disagree with anyone. Have you thought about that before? You never, ever disagree with anyone because you're not emotionally healthy enough to disagree with someone and still remain friends and still be co-workers, you know? But instead it's like, yeah, uh-huh, 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 okay. And then you go back there to your co-worker, your classmate, your, oh, man, I can't believe what they said. They're so bleep, 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 you know, and I can't believe they would do that and, you know, that sort of stuff. But to their face, you were, yep, yep, acting like they're great and wonderful. And there's this people-pleasing that, that the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It's a snare that trips us up. I want to speak to our young people, and I want to give them some encouragement. And, and I pray this body would always be a continual source of encouragement. But being popular is 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 really the the smaller version of people pleasing. We adults have we've tweaked it a little bit ways, and we make it look a more a little more sophisticated. But it's it's really trying to say being popular. How many you know growing up being a teenager is hard, right? Right. Give, give some testimony to encourage these young people. It is hard to be a teenager, to be a young person, because but you're just feeling so insecure, right? You feel like you don't fit in, right? I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the young, I wasn't the, the strongest kid when I was growing up. Um, I, I wasn't the smartest kid. I wasn't the most athletic, and so you know, I, I felt, I felt like I was behind. And uh, and yeah, I was tall, but I was kind of gangly and lanky, and so I didn't do a whole lot. And so, man, I, I just felt insecure because I was comparing myself with others. I was trying to be popular. I was trying to get the approval of these other people. But how many of you know they can't give you the approval you need? Because their words, listen to me now, i got to get preaching. Their words did not create you. And so their words can't continue to give you your purpose and your destiny and your identity. But there is one whose very words created every fiber of your being. His words came out of his mouth and he spoke you into existence, spoke your personality into existence. He is the one that we should be focused on approving. Amen. We should live for an audience of one. But I can remember, I can remember his name, Ben Root. Good old Ben Root. I can remember Ben Root being in the sixth grade, six foot three and had a full beard. And I'm like, if there is a God, how come I can't be 6'3 and 6'3? How come I can't get even like just some little sprouts here? Like, you know, and, and when you're young, you're just kind of checking everybody else out and my body doesn't look like their body. and They're growing faster than me and they, they got the clothes that I don't have. And it's just, it's terrible, right? But how many know you can be freed from that? And to the young people, can I give you a secret? In 10 years, it won't matter. It won't matter, okay? I'm not sitting around thinking about Ben Ruth. I love Ben Root. If he hears this message, I know he lives here. Man, I, I hope I see you, brother. I appreciate you. I love you. But I outgrew Ben Root. It took me a few years, but I outgrew him. And, um, and he wasn't so big and scary then. And, um, 
You know, and now I got my own beard. It took me a little while, but I got my own. And so, but I've never sat around and talked about this guy. People aren't sitting around talking about who was valedictorian 20 and 30 years later, who won field day. 20. They're not even talking about homecoming king and queen 10, 15 years later. All that stuff has gone by the wayside because it really doesn't matter. So can we help our young people out and just encourage them and, and encourage them to say, hey, it was tough on me too. You're going to make it. Don't act like you got it all together, like you just sailed through high school without any insecurities and you never were concerned about the pimples you had and everything else, right? You know, you were just that concerned and so was I. We don't live to please people, but we're focused on pleasing God. As I said, an audience of one. And so this is Paul's focus here. He's focused on pleasing Christ. And that's how you become a model to other. And this is really the most important thing you could ever do. Because again, as you continue to reflect the beauty of Christ, that's what people will see in you. And honestly, if, if we can be truthful for a moment, I don't want you repeating anything I've done unless it's from Christ, right? Because I got some bad behaviors and, and sometimes my kids pick up on those and I'm like, ooh, wow, where did they learn that from? My wife's like, you act just like that. And I'm like, no, I don't. But I'm like, I have seen that behavior before. She's like, and, uh, but I, I only want people emulating what they've seen is Christ in me. I want them emu emulating Daniel Mack. I want them imitating Christ who lives in me. Amen. And so let's keep our focus on Christ. Point number two. Point number two is, is handle your finances with integrity. Paul starts to talk about finances. And um, you could also write finances and fame because he really talks about both of these here. And I just didn't get a chance to add my other letter in there. So handle finances and fame well. Handle your finances and fame well. Remember I said that Paul here was probably being accused of being a scammer, of being some, you know, you, you see these street preachers or TV preachers, right, who are trying to get people uh, to give them extra money and I'll send you a handkerchief, I'll send you some oil and, uh, and, and, and your prayer will be answered. We'll just include Forty nine ninety nine for your handkerchief, and um, and so this would happen in Paul's day. How many know scamming is not anything new? How many anybody tried to scam you? Yep, fake IRS calling you, talking about you know we we need to talk to you, and fake Microsoft, and hey, let's let's pray for our 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 senior adults who are often uh, targeted specifically by these scammers, and uh and and if if you're here and they're calling you about your computer, don't tell them anything, right? Don't give them any account information, right? Scammers are nothing new. These preaching scammers would come through these towns and they would say, oh yes, God loves you, God bless you, and, and now you must give me X amount. And Paul is saying, I'm not going to allow myself to be lumped into, I'm not going to allow my integrity to be questioned anyway, because I'm going to handle my finances, I'm going to handle fame well so that no one could accuse me of being deceitful or selfishly motivated. I'm here just to preach the gospel, which I think he makes abundantly clear. Verse 5, look what he says. For we never came to you with words of flattery, right? And that's what some of these preachers do. They'll, they'll try to butter you up. They'll try to give you some flattery, right? That's when you say something you wouldn't normally say in order to get something you want, right? You told your boss you look so nice, right? Knowing good and well, you don't think they look nice, but you're hoping to get that raise. Kids telling their teacher, Mr. Johnson, that's a cool outfit. Knowing good and well, Mr. Johnson's outfit came from 1982, and, and you don't think it's cool. But he's got something you want. He's got a grade, and you're trying to butter him up, right? 
and um, that's flattery. And Paul's saying, we didn't go to you guys with flattery. We weren't trying to butter you up to get something from you. Right? So he says, I didn't come to you with flattery as you know. Right? He's like, remember how we acted. Nor with the pretext for what? Greed. God is our witness. And then verse 6, nor do we seek glory from people. We weren't trying to be famous there at Thessalonica, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. What does he mean by that? He's saying, hey, we could have actually taken up all kinds of offerings. We could have. We could have said, hey, we are apostles of Jesus Christ here, sent by him to give this message. And there are demands we can make upon you. But he said, we didn't even do that because we don't want you guys to get it confused. We don't want you to think that we're here for your money. We're here to love you and tell you about the freedom that you can find in Jesus. Then if you look at the the next couple verses there, verses 9 and 10, notice what else he says. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. What does he mean by that? Well, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But Paul had two jobs. Paul had two jobs. He was a tent maker. He made tents for a living. And he did that uh, for probably a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons so he could have a source of income that he wouldn't have to be dependent upon the churches. And he was a traveling evangelist. And again, he didn't want any uh, um, reason for people to doubt him and think his motives were impure. So he worked. And that's why he says we worked night and day. So he's saying, I made tents during the day. You guys are working day. And then at night, man, we got in the word and we shared the gospel. So, you know, we weren't there with any kind of greed. We weren't there trying to cheat you out of any money. So think back on that, Thessalonians. Look how we moved in purity. So as he navigates that, look at verse 10. He says, you are witnesses. Again, he's reminding them. Remember, we were there with you. You sat down with us. And God also, so I'm calling God here, of how holy and how righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. You know, money will make people do crazy things. Uh, back in the good old days, y'all know back in the good old days, right? When everything was better than it is now. And whatever time that is for you, that's that time for you. Until it's time for you to have some kind of major surgery and they microscopically sew you up. And then you're like, well, I think I like living in this day. And because uh, that could have been a lot worse. But there was um, this really popular group. We got a picture of them, David. Let's show them that picture. Popular group here. Y'all ready? And are they not in there? No? No picture? Really? Back in the good old days, we didn't have to use projectors to show pictures. There was a group called Millie Vanilli. Okay. So there was long hair. They were actually from Germany. And they had, back in the 90s, the most popular song. Girl, you know it's true. Ooh, 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 I love you. And um, I used to love that, that song. And I love Blame It on the Rain. Yeah, yeah. You got to blame it on something. And I remember being a little kid and, and crying because of a breakup, and I was blaming it on the rain. And um, and my heart was all broken. I loved these this this group, and they were my role models. They were they were like my idols. I wanted to dance like them. Be like they back then. You wore shoulder pads. Guys wore shoulder pads. People do the craziest things. <laughs> I have a lot of strange idols that I looked up to, and uh, and so they they won a Grammy. They won a Grammy's Best New Artist. All this stuff. People were just going up, going crazy for Milli Vanilli. Well, it happened. They weren't even really singing. They got caught lip syncing. 
And at first people thought, oh, maybe it's because they're doing all the dancing and all that sort of stuff, you know, that they couldn't keep up with the singer. But then they got exposed. They really weren't singers. And, uh, man, they had to give back their Grammy and all that sort of stuff. Why did they do that? They did that for money. They did that because they're heart and they had a pretext for greed. And I know you might be thinking, I'm not like Millie Vanilli. I'm not lip syncing to get money. But we have to be careful about some of the ways that we uh, search out greed in our hearts. How generous are we? Hey, how do you do handling your timesheet, right? The boss just gives you a timesheet. You fill in whatever you want. Do you fill that in? Do you add an extra 30 minutes, right? You know, do, do you navigate that with integrity? How do you handle your taxes? Are you fudging a little bit here and there and not declaring these things and not saying these things happened? We're, we're lacking integrity, and that hurts us representing Jesus Christ. And honestly, if we go back to the verse earlier where it says, man, we, we're seeking to please God who tests our hearts. I don't want to be found with that kind of impropriety in my life. And so let's be careful about that. And so Paul, first of all, was focused on Christ. Second of all, he handled his finances, he handled his fame. Well, he wasn't about getting glory and trying to be popular like good old Millie Vanilli. They tried to make a comeback and prove, but they just never could get it. So I know I'll be crying on the couch this afternoon, blaming it on the rain. Point number three, and we'll close with this, is learn how to treat others like family. Learn how to treat others like family. I may have to qualify this because I know some of us, we treat family worse than we treat strangers. <laughs> hey, hey, ma'am, how are you? Hey, how did never get in that house? I told you to get in that house. What's wrong with you? Dinner's not ready yet, honey. Calm down. Hey, so, Susie, when are we going to go out and go shopping, you know? And it's like we can treat strangers uh, way better than we treat our families. So i got to qualify that, like healthy family, right? The way you're supposed to treat family with, with tenderness, love, affection, time, genuineness. And uh, so I, 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 you, if you want to put an asterisk by that, that's, that's okay. But look at how Paul says, I treat them like a family. I treated you like a family. Look at verse 7. He says this. This is probably perhaps one of the most endearing verses in the entire New Testament. He says, but we were gentle among you. We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Right? I, I don't know that there's a more tender picture of, of a mother and a newborn baby, right? And and just taking care and, and just cuddling them and, and the baby's at peace and mom just gazing into that little face. And I know sometimes, you know, feeding a baby ain't always that easy, right? Okay. But, you know, the reality is there are some sweet moments there Right, where it's just, man, this is an incredible thing, this precious child. And, and there's just a love and a bond that goes on there. So I'm told, what an intimate picture. He says, we were gentle among you, treating you like a mother, taking care of her own child. Verse 6. Now notice all these words that he uses here and the, the, the adjectives and the verbs. Being so affectionately desirous of you. Man, we wanted to be around you. We wanted to hang out with you. This is what family should be like. We wanted to be with you, that we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also what? Our own selves, sometimes to say our very own lives, because you have become so what? Yeah, so very dear to us. He's saying you guys matter to us. We weren't just, just preachers coming in to get this from you or take this from you. Man, we were sitting with you. We were gentle with you. We were like a mother. 
You have become so dear to us. We share with you not just the gospel. We didn't just come in and preach and, and be at a stage. You know, but we came in and we lived with you. We sat with you. You were, you were, and we shared our lives with you. You guys know that you witnessed that you saw me eat. You saw me work. You saw my work ethic. You saw how when I when I was hammering a tent peg in and I was going and what I said after I stubbed my thumb and I didn't say a bad word. I said, oh, golly gee, Willikers. I'm just playing because it doesn't always work out that way, right? Don't act like it always works out that way for you. Sometimes you, you let out some words that are not appropriate. And you know what you do as a Christian? You're like, hey, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. That's, that's not pleasing to God. right? Just own up to it. right? And, and I, I can tell you what. I had a deacon lie to me one time. And I loved him all the more for it. I, I said something to him about, hey, man, I missed you at church. And he was like, yeah, I, I, had, uh, I had something going on with my family. and um, and I was like, cool, cool, cool. And then he called me up later, and I love the man for this. He said, hey, pastor, I just want to let you know I lied to you. I was like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, when you asked me about, you know, being a church, and I told you I saw my family, I was actually golfing. <laughs> I said, man, I love you for calling me back and telling me the truth. Man, I loved them and respected them all the more for confessing and just being real with me, you know? Instead of hiding it and, and playing games like that sort of nonsense, pretending uh, you know, and, and I just I was I wasn't mad at him. I was so grateful and it, and it endeared me to him. And so, look, you're, you're not going to be perfect, but it's about being connected with people, being very sharing with them your very selves. And Paul's saying we sacrifice like a mom sacrifices for you. I have news for everybody in here, for all the kids too. your mom. You know that person, your mom. She had a life before you came around. Right. She had friends. She had hobbies. She had likes and dislikes before you were born. She was a person independent from you. But then you came along. And because she loved you so dearly, she sacrificed all that. Because you had to be fed. You done messed your pants frequently. And she would not let you sit in that. She changed your stinky rear end day in and day out because she was so affectionately desirous of you. You were so very dear to her. She shared her life with you. And Paul is saying, I have sacrificed so many things. And Paul and uh, Timothy and Silas, they have sacrificed so many things. We shared our lives with you. It wasn't just a show on Sunday. We shared our lives with you. And so there was tenderness like a mother. There was invitation and warmth. And, and coming into our lives, we spent time with you. How's that going for you as a believer? Do you spend time? Are you inviting other believers into your life? Are you sharing your life with them? Or is it just keeping it surface level? And then as a family, he also says we were strong like a father or, 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 or challenging you. Look at verses 11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12, he says this. For you know how like a father. So he says we were like a mother. Now we're like a father with his children. We exhorted each of you. We exhorted each of you. And we encouraged you. And we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He was strong like a father, coaching them, challenging them. And look at those three words there, right? Exhorted you. That, that has this idea. It's, it's literally coming alongside. That's what the word means. But it's coming alongside in a loud voice, right? Strongly, it's like a coach, right? And good coaches sometimes got to be loud. A coach 
just isn't sitting on the sidelines watching the play, right? If you watch Coach K and those guys, when they get up to the line where they got to go and they're out there and they're challenging, get back over there, do this, come on, come on, guys, run faster, get moving. That's an exhortation. It's a strong encouragement. But then they also encourage them. And this just means to come alongside you. It's, it's a similar word, to come alongside you, but this time in a calm and quiet voice. Sometimes dad's got to do that and say, hey, it's okay. Some, some translations uh, translate this word as comfort. It's, it's a, hey, let, let, me, let me pull you aside. Let me pull you aside and have a conversation with you. Let, let me tell you what's, what's really going on here and, and how I, I want to encourage you uh, about, man, you're going through this, and I just want to put my arm around you. That's that encouragement there. And then finally, as a charge, this means to bear witness or to implore you. Hey, I'm here as a witness. I've seen what you can do. I've seen the purposes in your life. I know you can get through this. This is how you become a model. You love people tenderly. You invite them into your life and you're tender with them and you challenge them. You got to have both, right? If you're just all love and tenderness and you're just always patting people on the head and telling them how much you love them, okay, and you never challenge them, they're, they're, they're not going to be made fully whole. And if all you do is challenge people and, and like a coach to them and kind of beat them down and never tender and spend time with them, they're, they're going to pull away from you. Jesus, Jesus did this perfectly, didn't he? He invited 12 people to live life with them. They saw him. He invited them in. But he challenged those guys. Remember, Peter? Peter was one of the closest three. And, and he invited Peter. Hey, Peter, come do this with me. Come up on the mountaintop and see me get transfigured and glorified. But there was one time he said, Hey, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of this world, the mind of, of Satan. He challenged Peter like that. I don't know if you ever had a friend challenge you like that, but you need both of those. You need tenderness and toughness. And that's how we could be a role model. We could be a supermodel. Could you be a model for others? Let me just ask you some questions. Are you primarily focused on pleasing people or pleasing God? Is popularity in your mind all the time, or are you zeroed in on him? How do you handle your finances and fame and popularity? How's that going for you? Are you fudging hours? Are you stealing just a little bit from your company? Oh, I wasn't supposed to put that on the company card, but nobody ever checks that. It's okay. Are you about the lives of others? Or are you treating others like family? Are you inviting them into your life and sharing with them closely? And are you willing to challenge them? Tenderness and toughness as well. How are we doing with that, church? Because it doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter how much money you make, how old you are, how young you are. God could use you as a role model in somebody else's life. Because you're, you're not perfect. And listen, if we're honest, none of us, right? If, if I think about my life, I think about, wow, I fail a lot. Wow, God, I don't know if I focus on you as much as I should focus on you, right? Lord, are, are my finances, man, am, am I treating people like family? And you know what? I fail. And here's the beauty for all of us, ladies and gentlemen. There's really only one perfect model. His name is Jesus, right? The one who said, I came to do the will of my father, the one who focused on his father above all else. Jesus did that perfectly. The one who, is, who faced great temptation for fame and for popularity and all this sort of stuff, and yet Jesus never gave in to temptation. And the one who perfectly modeled invitation, inviting us in, and challenging. Jesus is the only one who's done all that. And we look to him. Amen? And so as we gather as a church, it's not, oh, woe is me. It's continue to look and, and fix my gaze upon Jesus, the only worthy model. 
So as we close, reach over, touch your neighbor, and tell them, I definitely think you could be a model. I wasn't sure at first. I wasn't sure at first, but now I know. But now I know. And if you're here today, David, if you'll put up that last verse, verse 12 for me. If you're here today, I, I just want us to look at that last verse. And you don't, you don't know Christ. You're not a believer in uh, where you're at in your spiritual journey. I just want to encourage you. Man, we're, we're, all, we're all looking at the gospel. We're all looking at Jesus. But I just love, here's, here's what the gospel, here's what Christianity is all about. If you're new to this, it's, it's all about the fact that God has set a standard and we haven't met it yet. But then look at the last part of verse 12. It says, man, walk in a, in a manner worthy of God. And none of us have done that perfectly. We haven't walked in that. The, the challenge is still there. The call is still there. The standard is still there. But it says this, but he calls you. He calls you into his own kingdom and his own glory. He calls you, sir or ma'am. He's calling you today into his kingdom. He's, he's welcoming you to the table, into his kingdom, into heaven, the eternal kingdom, into his glory into his perfection. How could he do that? How could he call sinners who are not worthy into his kingdom and into his glory? Because he purchased their freedom on a cross. In fact, the Bible says he'll trade with us his robes of righteousness and put those robes of righteousness on us. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what Christianity is all about. That's what we're all about as a church. We'd invite you to put your trust in him today. So I'm going to have a word of prayer. We're going to close with prayer and then we'll sing our response song, our invitation song for us to, to move forward with how God is challenging our lives. So let's pray together. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody bothering their neighbor. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're the only perfect supermodel. You are indeed a supermodel. As we sung earlier about our good, good father who is perfect in all of his ways, Lord, you are perfect in all of your ways. God, we honor you today. And Lord, thank you that you would call us and give us the privilege to, to be a small, tiny model in somebody else's life. And Lord, I know most of us in this room, we'd say we're not worthy to be a model for somebody else. I, I, I'm still trying to get all my stuff together. Lord, that's how we all feel. But thank you that you choose, as the Bible says, the lowly things. You choose the shameful things. And in fact, you do that to shame the world who we often put our trust in things that glimmer. We put our trust in things that quote-unquote shine and are wise. God says, no, I choose the weak. I choose the lowly. I chose, I chose Paul, who said he's the chief of all sinners. Paul, who was hunting down Christians. And so every one of us, myself included, we're invited to be a model for somebody else, not because of what we've done, but only because of what Jesus has done if you're here today and you don't know Christ, we'd invite you to receive him. How could you receive him? Starts by confessing your sin, by turning from your sin, admitting that you have crossed God's standards. You might just say something simple like this in your heart. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have broken your commands. I've broken your commands. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for Jesus, I turn away from those sins right now. I turn away from those sins right now. And I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you died on the cross. 
And I believe that you rose again. Help me, God, to follow you all the days of my life. Help me. Father, hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our response time. You're welcome to respond to God however he's calling you to respond. Myself, some of our elders and deacons will be here to help.